I was 16, another story I guess, I went to my girlfriend's birthday party. She was a fairly new girlfriend, and she wanted to have her party at the beach at Eagle Mountain Lake. So we went to the beach for this party, and we were doing the typical young beach things for teenagers, you know. At one point, you know, I was in the water showing off like teenage boys do, right, when you're trying to impress the girl that's with you. And uh, when I turned around, I was facing shore. And when I turned around, right here was a snake. <laughs> And I hollered, snake. The whole, the whole, everybody in the water got out. And there are three things I can say with almost absolute certainty about that incident. Uh, first, if I didn't know Jesus before that moment, I found him in that moment. <laughs> Two, I must have teleported to Brazil because I swear that was an anaconda. <laughs> And three, I ran on the water that day. <laughs> Clear on the top, straight up out, eyes popped out like a cartoon character, legs rotating in full circle, skimming the top of the water running. I was out. <sighs> that story pops into my mind every time I read our text today. Because most people wonder what it was like to walk on the water, but I hold to the fact that I already did. <laughs> In Matthew 14, Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000. He's just finished this, this huge miracle. He's worn out. He needs time to recharge alone with the Father before doing anything else. And that's where we find our story in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And climbed out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessing. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for you. Father, use me as a vessel with the words that I speak to you, yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his. And all God's people say. That's a hot story, right? There's stuff going on here. But I'm looking at this story. I think the disciples probably have some frustration. I mean, they're leaving here without Jesus. Look what's just happened. They just watched him feed 5,000 people with just a little bit of food. And they had leftovers. Man, this is an amazing event. And he sends them away 
dismiss the crowds by itself. Not to mention, they had just heard, just previously, about the beheading of John the Baptist. This was a dangerous time for people like Jesus. And the disciples were there, and they know what's going on, and he says, get in the boat and begin your journey. And as it turns out, it's a long journey. You know, as it turns out, there's, there's stuff going on, because one of the truths we find here is that when we do things without Jesus, we're going to struggle. <laughs> They've been struggling for a while without water. Common sense would say, if they had finished the teaching and it was getting dark, they didn't have an electric light bulb, so Jesus probably said, about evening, get in the boat and go. So they've been out there how long? Rope. It says it was 3 a.m. And they're only halfway across. Because the waves were against them. There's so much at play here, and I don't want us to miss it. There's that fear with John the Baptist. What about Jesus? What about him? There's no one there with him now. He's there by himself. You know, they, they've taken care of John the Baptist, and, and, and he's greater than John is. Well, what, what could happen to him? There, there were 5,000 men there. That means there were probably 15 to 20,000 people there. And he's by himself. Not too long ago, they tried to take him by force and make him king. So, what's going to go on here? There's this lesson that Jesus just made them about his ability to provide. So he can provide anything if he can do what he just did. And immediately he says, get in the boat. I'm going to dismiss the crowd. I would suggest that not only was Jesus not physically in the boat, but the disciples were probably a little bit put out. Can you imagine? You're the trusted people. You're the trusted people. Jesus had just used you to feed the 5,000. Because he had you pass it out. He had you give them their food. And he had just used you in such a great way. And man, you know, there's still part of that pride still in them wanting to, wanting to get the, the pat on the back for that. Wanting to get the glory for that. And so here they are. Jesus says, well, you go away. And now to top it off, he's put us in the boat. And now we've been rowing for what? Three hours? Four hours? Eight hours? He did this. Come on, God. What in the world? Do you relate to God, you told me to do this. You told me to go here. But yet it feels like everything has been against me since I started. It feels like so much is going on. When we do things without Jesus, we're going to struggle. If Jesus is removed from the situation, things are going to go against us. We can even be doing what God has called us to do. And if we do them without Jesus, we're going to struggle. There are lots of ministries that have been started in churches throughout the years that fail because they didn't go to Jesus and let Jesus tell them what ministry they needed to do. Just because something sounds good to me on paper doesn't mean it's what I need to be doing because Jesus has to be the one there. Jesus has to be our forward and our rear guard. He has to be our navigator and our pilot. We have to have Jesus at the center of what we're doing. And Jesus wasn't with them, and so the waves were against them. They're tired, they're frustrated, they're worn out, and they look up, and there's something out there. Can you imagine? You've been rowing for hours. The wind is against you. These are people who have them in the boat, know what they're doing. They're used to being in the water. They've been rowing for hours. They should be the only ones out there. 
And suddenly, in the lightning flash, there's something out there. We don't know who it was who first said, it's a co-host! But they saw something. What else could be out here on the water? What else could be going through here? What else could be this? And then Jesus says, guys, don't be concerned. The, the funny thing about me is the scripture doesn't say Jesus came sprinting by. It says he came walking on the sea. He knew he was going to catch up to him at the He was walking. Just there. Take courage. It's just me. And then Peter. <laughs> Jesus, if it's you, command me to come to you. And he does. You know, we must recognize the comfort and strength of Jesus in our lives. Peter had been really all night. He's tired. He's worn out. He, he wants something different. He, he wanted to be done. I mean, I imagine, right? Did you want to row a boat all night long? I mean, most of us don't want to get in a car whenever the wind's blowing like that. They're out there in the boat in the middle of the water. Rowan and Rowan and Rowan. And, and Jesus says, hey, it's me. And suddenly Peter says, tell me to come to you. Peter wanted to be where Jesus was. He wanted to be above the storm that was against them. Peter recognized that being with Jesus was better than being apart from Jesus. He said, Jesus, give me the rest from this work that I've been doing. I've been rowing all night long, Jesus. I've been rowing. If it's really you, tell me to come to you. Tell me, command me to come to you. He recognized the comfort that Jesus could bring. He saw the salvation. He saw the strength. So he said, command me. Peter knew that in Jesus' command, he could do anything. If you just commanded Jesus, I could do it. In that moment, Jesus symbolized rest for Peter. He no longer had to do what he was doing. The struggle was over. Jesus, just let me come to you. Let these other guys sit back here. Let me be where you are. That's what Jesus brings to our lives. Rest, peace, an end of our current struggles. The strength and peace of Jesus in our lives changes how we view our current situation. I know an older pastor years ago that suffered from Parkinson's. And he had pastored the same church that I was pastoring 30 years before I did. You know, I heard wonderful stories about him. He would come back occasionally for for funerals and things like that. And, uh, but when he spoke, when he talked, you had the triggers. I mean, always. He just, in the whole body, I can't do as much as he should. But, when he would read scripture or pray, he would grab his hand and suddenly the tremors stopped. And there was total peace in his body as he read the Word of God, as he talked to his Heavenly Father. It's amazing what Jesus does in our lives because that's what he does. Sometimes, though, we make the same mistake that Peter does. Jesus can change your view of the situation, but he might not take you out of the situation. Peter was trying to escape the mess he was in, but when he got out there, what did he realize? The situation hadn't changed. There's something interesting about Peter that we have to see. 
It's for us too. It's not the dangers we don't know that cause us to sink. It's the dangers that we do. Peter said, Jesus, tell me to come walking on the water to you. He had never experienced walking on the water. And he had no problem believing that he could do it if Jesus told him he could. He wasn't afraid of the things that he didn't know. He stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. But he was afraid of the things he didn't know. What do I mean by that? Simon was what? He was a fisherman. How did he, what did he know? The one thing he knew was water. He knew the lake. He knew the sea. He knew what a boat would be like on the lake. He knew what the strength of the wind could do to the boat. And he panicked. He had been in that same wind all that long in the safety of the boat. Suddenly the boat is gone and he goes, I know what this can do to a boat. What can it do to me? It wasn't the things that he didn't know that made him falter. It was the things that he did. It was the things that he'd already experienced. It was those things that happened. The same thing happens to us. It isn't the unknown that scares us. It's the known. When God calls us to do something, why don't we do it? I guarantee you, if you really look, the reason isn't because of what you don't know. It's because of what you do. <laughs> if Jesus has called you to talk or to teach a class, to tell somebody about him, most of the time we'll say, oh, I just can't do that. But the reason we say it isn't because we can't do it. It's because at some point in the past, we had a bad experience where we said something we shouldn't say, or somebody laughed at something we said where they shouldn't have laughed, and so now we're afraid to do that thing because of what could happen that we've already experienced. Or maybe God's calling you to give something, but you had a time when you didn't have any money, and things didn't come together, and I know what that felt like, and so I can't give now, Jesus, because I know what it felt like back then. Almost every time, it's the dangers that we know that begin to sink us. It's the things that we've already experienced that begin to get into our heads. Because guess what? If I don't know, I can't be scared of it, really. Even the dark. Nobody's scared of the dark. What are they scared of? What's in the dark? We're scared of the monsters that might be in there. Because somebody at some point told us there's a monster in there. We're scared of what we know happens to be in there. We're not scared of what we don't know that's in there. I've never heard a kid tell me, Daddy, I'm scared of the dark because I don't know what's in it. No, it's I'm scared because there's a monster in there somewhere. They're scared of what they know. We're scared of what we know. It's what we know that begins to sink us. The unknown can't scare us because we don't know what it is. Those things that we do know make us sink faster than anything else. It's those experiences, it's those failures that make us go, I can't go through that again. I can't handle that again. <laughs> I spent all afternoon, Friday afternoon, on the drive from San Antonio to McKinney, going over what pedals, what was shot. Because I don't want his fear of something that he knows to sink him in the future. I want him to understand that that's just something that we can overcome. It's always those things that we know that begin to sink us. So how do we overcome these fears? How do we overcome these things that make us, that paralyze us? 
that make us go, I can't do this. Today, this is a rough day, guys. Today is the 11th anniversary of my mom's death. Um, that was, to me, at that time of my life, my greatest fear. And I had to face it. But I wasn't afraid of it because of what it was. I was afraid of it because I'd already lost Daddy. And I knew what that was. I knew what that was. That, that, that was what got me. So how do we overcome these things? We must trust that Jesus will be there when the fear overwhelms us. <laughs> Peter gets out there and he looks around and all of this stuff that he knows begins to, to overwhelm him. I know those winds. I know those waves. He's probably lost friends in those waters that they never found again because of things just like this. And he begins to sink. And what does he say? Lord, save me. He knew in that moment that Jesus was there, that Jesus would come and take him and do whatever he had to do. He didn't leave Peter alone and he won't leave you alone. He's never going to say, nah, you're on your own. Here's a donut. You know, the lockers are everything. So you to grab onto it. He's going to grab you by the hand and yank you up. He's going to be there to save you. He's always there. He will always be there to pull us out of the depths. He never walks away. All we have to do is say, Lord, save me. I understand that I'm afraid of this, but God, I know that you can take me through it. Oh, man. But here's something. <laughs> Our fears, we have to overcome them. Because we've got to get out of the boat. I read this story and I go, why was Peter the only one who got out? I mean, <clears throat> most of us, when we see somebody else doing something cool, we want to do it too, right? Peter says, Lord, let me come to you. He starts walking on the water. I would have been like, hey, Jesus, call me too. Let me do it. Peter's the only one who got out. All the rest of us out there watched. They let their fears keep them from jumping out. We cannot let our fears of what may happen keep us from receiving the blessings that God has for us. They'd all been rowing. They'd all been frustrated. They'd all been fearful. In my eyes, these other guys missed the blessing by not getting out of the boat. They missed it. We have to get out of the boat. We have to do the thing that God has called us to do. Like I tell my kids over and over and over again, you're going to miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. If you don't get out of the boat, you're never going to walk on water. It's not going to happen. If you don't tell your loved one about Jesus, they may never get saved because you didn't tell them. If you never jump up and do what God's called you to do, it might not get done because He called you to do it. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus so we cannot stay in the safety of the boat. The church building is not meant to be a cruise ship. It's a hospital vessel. 
We are called to take the gospel to those who are lost and dying in this world. And we've got to get out of the boat to do it. You can't let somebody on board if you don't jump in to get them. You've got to get out of the boat. We can't stay in our cabin on our cruise ship and think things are going to change. God has called us to be change. You know, it's I listened to the interview yesterday after the meeting. Something that Coach said was that she kept talking about the drive and determination of those girls. They didn't want to be in the boat. I wasn't even there. And when he said on the radio that Lindsay fell out, I knew what that looked like. I understood that moment because she didn't want to be in the boat. She's going to keep going. She wants to keep going. She wants to be where she needs to be. Here's the deal. If we're going to be the town that breeds champions, if, if winning and excellence is our tradition, it needs to carry over into our church. We need to be the people who get out there and take the word of Jesus to those around us because there are people in this town who don't know Jesus and who aren't doing anything on Sunday morning but sitting at home because, well, that's what I need to do. But we can reach them and say, guys, you've got something you need. And it's so much better than what this world can offer you. It's so much better than whatever trophy you're chasing. It's the ultimate prize. But to do it, we got to get out of the boat. Maybe this morning, maybe you've been struggling with getting out of the boat. Maybe you're too busy looking at the wind and the waves and you're thinking, I know those dangers and I can't get out there in those dangers, but God's just saying, come. you got to be like Peter and know that whatever Jesus commands you to do, you can do. If He calls you to it, He's going to bring you through. Maybe this morning you just need to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you're in missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known the one who can call you out of the boat. You've never known the one who can pull you out of the depths. You've never known the one who, who wants to bring you into salvation and set you on a road that you could never imagine. Now's the time. You walk the aisles of Brother Troy. I want to know Jesus, so we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, get up to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now to thank you.